What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Moynihan. I play Orca on Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is our review of Star Wars, The Mandalorian, Chapter 14. The tragedy. You ever had a title sneak up on you that bad? Um, Even before the spoiler embargo was up on Monday, uh, people on Friday were uh, making fun of how badly the title hit us in the face. Uh, and, And I'll talk about it even after the sweet opening. When you see the title, you're like, oh. Crap, here we go. Um, but some things happened in this episode that I didn't expect till maybe... I thought this would be the season finale cliffhanger. So uh, definitely a lot of surprises that we need to talk about. Um, the episode written, of course, by John Favreau. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. And as you're watching it, you realize, yeah, he had his... He had his um, his own style in this episode. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I think most people, especially younger people, will you know know him from Spy Kids. I've seen those; they're good. Um, but From Dusk Till Dawn is one of my favorite movies. That um, that's that, that's by far my favorite Robert Rodriguez directed movie. Uh, so for him to come in and do Star Wars. Um, I mean, he said in an interview that he was a, a replacement. Um, the rumor is that James Mangold, the director of Logan, uh, was going to do the episode, which which makes sense because there was that rumor that he was going to do a Boba Fett movie. Uh, so it all kind of worked out because uh, this was great. Um, but I will step aside. Little Han's got something to uh something to say about the episode. Uh, again, he's kind of quick <laughs> about it. Um, we'll get to little Han, then I'll come back and break down the episode for you. And hello. So welcome back to um, Radio Dakar season two, episode six of The Mandalorian. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So my favorite part was if you haven't watched Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett died and everything, but he really didn't because we saw him fight all the troopers, and that's my favorite part about it. So I just wanted to tell you that because that was my favorite part, and we'll see you on another one. We'll make it longer, too. <laughs> Bye. So, uh, getting into the episode itself, um, we start out, they're approaching Typhon. They went straight in after meeting Ahsoka last week. 
uh, that that in itself was a little bit of a surprise because the way they've been doing the seasons, like a major um, major thing happens, then kind of a slow episode where it's kind of a side mission. Um, but they've done that pattern. So to go straight from meeting Ahsoka to going to Tython, I should have told you that things were going to move pretty quickly. Um, Tython is an, uh, a planet that's been in can uh, the new canon. Uh, it's been in the Doctor Aphra series. It was snowy in that in those frames, but from orbit you do see there are quite a few snow covered areas. So just because they went uh, to the temple area, which is in the you know grassy mountainous uh, region. Uh, there's still other parts of the planet that have been shown. And, you know, before we get the reveal of the title, the cockpit scene was just sweet. Where, um, you know, Din Jaren is, he's getting to a place where he's caring more about Grogu, but also realizing there's a lot about him that he, he doesn't understand. Um, I mean, just the fact he just get gets a kick out of saying his name and having a reaction. Um, I'm sure he's still wondering like how much he's saying is being understood by Grogu, but um, I mean, you know, he knows what his name is and he likes that. And again, going back to the gear shift knob, which I still say is an homage to American graffiti, which hopefully with the Lucasfilm 50th anniversary coming up, everybody needs to watch that film if you haven't seen it. Um, and then you'll get the reference. Um, but yeah, Din, Din obviously is, he's going into unknown territory with the kid because he knows he has powers and that he needs to do, to do the right thing with him as far as getting him to the Jedi, but he, he obviously has an attachment now. So that's what this scene was all about. Plus, I mean, to lull us into this false comfort, because here they are playing in the cockpit of a ship that's not going to be around much longer. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's kind of set us up. You know, it's like, oh, oh, sweet episode, and then the tragedy. And, um... <clears throat> Uh, at Laura underscore K underscore A on Twitter pointed out part of this um, scene happens from Grogu's point of view. And then as they're approaching the temple, you see the the temple from his point of view in the cockpit. The only other time we saw stuff from his point of view like that was in chapter three. <clears throat> when he was about to be given to the client and Dr. Pershing. So it, point of view, uh, she pointed out, is foreshadowing his separation from Din Djarin. So that was a nice touch here. Had to give her credit for that one. That was really good. Um, so they fly in, they find the temple. I like that windows down, in quotation marks, means uh, we're going to fly on the, with the jetpack. Another sweet moment before tragedy. Um, I really liked the simplicity and the look of the ancient temple that we get on uh, Tython. I mean, it's kind of like 
Ochto, where you know it's obvious that the ancient Jedi just found a place where that they felt was strong in the Force, and they they just created a temple there. It doesn't have to be a grand spectacle like the one on uh, Coruscant, or even like what's on the Starlight Beacon in the the High Republic stuff upcoming. Hope y'all are excited for High Republic because I'm going to be uh, reviewing those books and the comics and everything else because that, that's going to be fun to go back a few hundred years. But yeah, it's not a <clears throat> it's not a grand temple or <clears throat> you know built over Sith ruins like we've seen on Rebels and Resistance. Um, it's just a, a holy place, you know, so to say. Um. But they, you know, they, the seeing stone is right there, and it's got the the mark, the ancient markings on it. It, it. You know, it's interesting. Like Din is talking his way through this from a cinematic perspective and storytelling. I'm sure it's because you know, since Grogu doesn't really speak, Din has to be our voice and you know provide the thought balloon speaking so to say for the for this scene um and i think it's you know but just from his perspective he's probably talking his way through you know figuring out how the scenes don't works you know looking for control panel all that uh, because again he doesn't understand like he doesn't know he, he said does this look like jedi to you I mean, this is something just totally new to him. He's only maybe heard rumors or legends. Um, so, like the whole dialogue in the scene seemed kind of awkward to me, but yeah, it's because, well, they, they need a speaking role, but also he, he just doesn't understand what's going on. <clears throat> Even after meeting Ahsoka. He's probably more confused after that. Um, so we get... Grogu, you know, does make... Con uh, or does get into a meditative trance and the, the effect of the blue, the blue force field, which is really cool. So he's kind of just off to the side for the rest of the episode. Um... But all of a sudden, there's Slave One, and I, I, I think I was just giggling. I was like, "Yes, yeah, they actually brought the ship back too." Um. So then the episode starts to go just sort of like breakneck speed. Um, Dan goes to check it out and encounters Boba Fett. I mean, what can you say? Slave One showed up and Boba Fett appeared. You know, we had seen him in Chapter 9. You know, wasn't sure if that was just going to be a tease for next season or a tease for a, a mini-series. But no, there he is. Turns out he's been tracking uh, Din Djarin. You know, for how long, we don't know. You know, he came for the armor. So then you got the questions. Well, why didn't he just get it from Cobb Vamp? Um... I mean, 
there's several ways you can go with it. Maybe, maybe he wasn't certain that Cobb Vanth had it until he, and maybe he, he had been tracking Din Djarin the whole time. So when it was just kind of dumb luck that Din would meet Cobb and then he'd be like, oh, that guy's got my armor. Or is it that when he lost the armor, he found out that Cobb Vanth had it, but then he saw what he was doing with it. So he was okay with that until it was no longer with him. Uh, hopefully we'll find out. But And also, he's got Slave 1, which means he's been able... He wasn't on Tatooine maybe the whole five years? Um, you know, has he been traveling around? And then, you know, Maybe he found out about um, Dinjarin last year and then has been tracking him. And as we find out, it, it was him who found Fennec Shand at the end of chapter 5. So, um, maybe he just happened to come across her and that's how he found out about uh, this Mandalorian. A lot of, a, lot of, a lot of questions. Hopefully we'll find out. Um, and also it, it's Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett. And, uh, before I forget, um, uh, Tamora was, in, uh, interviewed, um, by Dave Itzkoff of the New York times. I linked, um, I tweeted, uh, retweeted the link to that, uh, interview on my, uh, radio to car Twitter account. That's uh, great. Please read it. It's a great read. Uh, and just thinking back on like interviews he did when he did Attack of the Clones, uh, he's just having a good time doing Star Wars, and it's great to have him back, um, and not just for a you know quick end of episode appearance. Um, you know, he brought back the "I'm just a simple man" line uh, that Jango said, and added like my father before me, so it's a callback to Return of the Jedi, um, and, and just instantly you can tell that. Oh, he's not just doing a retread of his Django performance. That Boba has had a different life experiences. Um, so, so he didn't exactly he exactly grow up like his dad, and that that's instantly um, recognizable. Like he has performed two different. Um, different characters um like even when he did attack of, uh, revenge of the sith and he was playing all the clones it, you could kind of see some Django in him um but no this, this is totally different boba has gone through a lot in 30 years uh so they have the standoff and well there's fennec shand with her Sights on uh, Grogu, and she's back. Great to have Mina Wynn back, and the fact she's teaming up with Boba Fett. Um, you know, I was just so glad that she didn't have. You know, it wasn't just a brief cameo last season that she's um, got this episode. Uh, at least one more. Yeah, and she's just totally awesome. 
Uh, I really liked the line, um, fate sometimes steps in to uh, rescue the wretched. Um, Yeah, this is just a great scene because of the actors performing. Um, um, but it's, it's cut short because here's the Imperial Lander. Um, and then the Stormtroopers come out. Uh, you know, great homage to uh, The Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. It, you know, it's similar enough, but you, know, you can tell it's an early version of uh, a lander. <clears throat> Starting to wonder, you know, how much this Imperial remnant leads into the First Order. Because that group, as established by the books, is has already left for the Unknown Regions. So, you know, do, do these factions meet up at some point? That'll be interesting if they ever let us know. Uh, but then we get... You know, all the all the fighting on the uh, on the hillside while uh, Grogu's doing his thing. Um, in and I can't. I should have cited this one too, but but just I kind of seen it around in different spots. When Robert Rodriguez was talking about the episode, he said the script was only about sixteen pages long, which isn't a very long episode. Um, so he added in a lot of the the combat stuff and that's where you can see his influence really anyway and uh as i was watching this i was like man where they film this that it looks really cool turns out it's southern california i haven't been there so i don't know what i know there's you know hills and mountains there but i didn't know that that's exactly what it was everybody was like oh yeah i know where that is still it still looks different enough um, again, I talked about it either last week or the week before the episodes so far, um, every planet is a different uh, environment. So it's, you know, it's keeping it fresh. Um, I mean, probably going to gloss over, but what can you say about all the fighting, uh, all the combat? <clears throat> I mean, Phoenix. An assassin's sharpshooter, and, and she pulls that off here. And then Boba is just a brutal fighter. Um, which obviously we, you know, we see him fight more here than we ever did in the movies. Um, so in canon, we're not, you know, there's no presumptions about what his fighting style is. Um, now, in the interview in the New York Times, uh, Tamora Morrison did say that he um, uses Maori background um, and like Hakka dancing and um, like the traditions of his people uh, to kind of influence Boba's fighting style, uh, like with the gaffy stick. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, to see a non Tuscan fighting with a gaffy stick and being that brutal was pretty cool. And, um, oh, a shout out to Phoenix. Like, I mean, it's kind of a trope we've seen in other movies, but when she jumps backwards and is, and shoots like falling away and hits a stormtrooper, that was pretty awesome. Uh, so during the fight, um, 
although the boulder scene was great. Um, she uh, rolls it down, takes out a bunch of stormtroopers. You know, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark right there. <clears throat> um, you know, Dan can't penetrate the force field up on the temple, so he, he joins the fight with his armament. Um, but then Boba notices uh, the Razor Crest and, and gets his armor back. And so we, we get full, uh, well, yeah, fully armored Boba Fett. Um, and that looked awesome too. I mean, as, as great as he was, like, hand-to-hand combat fighting, I mean, he's got his weapons back and he knows how to use them. And uh, He's got the neat rockets that apparently have been always been a thing, but he never used. And, um, you know, we get to see the, how the rocket launcher used again, just like Cobb did. Um, he takes out, takes out the landers. You know, he makes the joke about it was aiming for the other one. You, you get to see that when he, when they showed the shot of him, uh, targeting. Yeah. He was trying to hit the lower one, but Hey, it worked out. Um, I mean, I'm going kind of fast through that, but it was just fast-paced fighting action that was just amazing to see. Like, who would have thought we would have seen, you know, me not win and Boba Fett fighting uh, stormtroopers. But that's where the show is, and it's awesome. Uh, so they take out all the stormtroopers. Everything seems fine. Hal Hickle on Twitter said last three episodes were a roller coaster, and they, yes, he was, he was right, uh, because next thing we see is a blast from orbit, and the Razor Crest is gone. Um, you know, I gotta say, I did not expect something like that to happen. You know, after you know some repairs last year, and the ship getting beat to hell this year, once he got it fixed on Navarro, we thought, okay, now he's got the Razor Crest is good, you know. Uh, but no, it just gets taken out with one shot from the start from the Imperial Cruiser. And my, my first thought was, man, I can't believe people spent 300 bucks on the HasLab uh, <laughs> vintage was set. And, um, you know, I had thought about getting the Lego set. Okay, obviously, you know, people, you know, we'll buy, we'll buy toys for stuff that was on screen for five minutes, like Darth Vader's TIE Fighter or whatever. But, but yeah, just just the fact that thing got toasted, um, and you know it's been quite an investment for some people. It was just uh, depressing and funny at the same time, I guess. So anyway, his ship's gone, <laughs> and then we you know we see the Imperial cruiser, so we know it's Moff Gideon, and he deploys the Dark Troopers. So you know what was that two episodes ago that? We got the tease and all the speculation, but nope, here they are. They're already done. It's not an end of season thing. And they're flying down out of the out of the cruiser. We get a better look at the, the cruiser in orbit. That, that's just a really cool shot of them flying out. I mean, some people said, like, the budget didn't look great on this episode. But I, I mean, I thought the effects for the ships and everything were awesome. So I'm not complaining. Uh, but you know, they go down and grab Grogu. By the way, if you ever pay attention to the concept art, and a few other people pointed this out on the reviews I've listened to, um, 
the concept art of the Dark Troopers grabbing um, Grogu, he is like terrified in those. So they actually toned it down um, to where he, you know, he's still kind of subdued and you know, just gets pulled away. Um, so they're taking him back to the ship. You know, Din doesn't have his backpack because Boba made him take it off earlier. And he doesn't have it at the end of the episode, so hopefully he grabbed it before they left um, Tython, and it's just on Slave 1. But, you know, they created a plot device that he couldn't just fly up and rescue him. So, good writing, John Favreau. You know, uh, Boba <clears throat> when, uh, is flying in on Slave 1, so we get, you know, we get to see that. I mean, it's the first time he's flown it with his armor on since Return of the... Well, before Return of the Jedi, so that's awesome that we get to see that. Um, you know, he's shocked to find out about the Empire, so obviously he was doing his own little thing and not really paying attention to to what was going on. It's kind of what, um, you know, Carson Tiva was alluding to with Kara a couple episodes ago about things that are going on. Now it's becoming more obvious to the, these characters. Uh, so Gideon gets away with Grogu, <clears throat> and then, you know, Den's there looking through the <clears throat> the crater where the Razor Crest was, and I just love the performance here by Jamal Morrison, because just by his facial expressions, you know that he understands loss uh, because of what happened to Django, and... You know, he can sympathize there, and but I think maybe whatever his you know belief system or creed is by this point, I think he really wants to help, not just because he feels indebted to him. Um, but you know, he finds the gear shift knob, he finds the spear. Um, so obviously, Beskar, you know, he can deflect laser blasts like during the during the shootout. The spear can survive the destruction of the ship. You know, I was thinking, you know, people make that joke. Well, why don't they just make an airplane out of a black box? Why don't they just make ships out of Beskar? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing the reason is, you know, like there's not that much Beskar available to build an entire ship. Um, you know, it's just for armor and stuff. But I would at least Beskar plate part of my ship. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, you know, we get the cool thing with... Um, Boba has a chain code in the armor to, to, to denote ownership. Um, again, 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 it's surreal to watch Tamora Morrison play Boba Fett because he already played Django. And yeah, they redubbed the lines for Empire when they did the 04 DVD, but it's his role now. I mean, yes, Daniel Logan played younger Boba. And if they ever did, did like, he could maybe show up in Solo 2. Um, you know, because it's back then, but, but yeah, it's just, I, I loved every moment of Tamora Morrison in this episode. Um, but yeah, we find out that Django was a foundling. So, you know, everybody's dunking on uh, Prime Minister Almec for his line in Clone Wars. And, but that, that that's, becoming more obvious because there was obviously that division of 
you know, that religious sect that Din Djarin's in about, you know, maintaining the old ways and keeping the helmets on and all that. And then Bo-Katan's like, no. So it would make sense that Almec would say something like that because he probably didn't, in his mind, didn't believe that uh, Django was a Mandalorian, but it turns out he was. Um, so Boba, Boba's a Mandalorian. And he's got his armor back and looks awesome. And because he said they would protect the child, there's our team up. It's Boba and Fennec Shand and Boba Fett. Did I say, did I say Boba twice? Anyway, Din Djarin. Um, so yeah, so they're now they're on slave one. I hope they did a set of like the cargo hold and everything so we could finally see that for real. Uh, but they make a quick and they go over to Navarro so that he can get Kira's help. And at least they explained, um, like she's a you know, what that um, New Republic medal meant. Um, it's a badge, she's a marshal now. <clears throat> but we find out, um, he needs Mayfeld's help. Um, Bill, uh, Bill Burr's character from last season. Chapter 6. Uh, makes sense. He's ex-Imperial, so he would probably know how to track down a cruiser. So they're forming the team kind of like they did last year. They're just getting a, like an episode st uh, jump start on it. Uh, so, the, yeah, the last two episodes of... I, I imagine, you know, get him next week, maybe uh, have some other criminals tag along. So there's your... your Magnificent Seven, Ocean's Eleven type crew um, to get Grogu back. Who is trying to hold his own with the Force on the cruiser, but, you know, he's getting tired. And, you know, Gideon, like, taunts him with the Darksaber. Which I wonder if that's foreshadowing for him using a lightsaber or the Darksaber later on. Um, and, you know, shocking the hell out of Gideon or anybody else. Um, so yeah, uh, they've got him in these little baby shackles. Uh, they're going to take him to Dr. Pershing. Um, some people are speculating they're heading to Camino. Um, we'll see. But so, yeah, it's, you know, I thought everything that happened right here would have been the season finale. And then it's a cliffhanger to next season when they have to go rescue him. Um, but no, I mean, they're building up for like a two-part finale with them, um, you know, get the team together next week and then move in and try to get them out. Uh, so, yeah, the, the roller coaster is going to continue. I guess I'll finish with, so Grogu, you know, was in the force field in the meditative tra trance for a while. So, uh, I mean, there's plenty of time to contact a Jedi, uh, find somebody out there. Um, who that is, is the big question. When will they contact him? Um, I, I think the, the appearance of a Jedi to save him or save the crew will probably happen like at the tail end of it, chapter 16 of the season finale. And it'll, it'll be the equivalent of the Darksaber reveal from last year. It's like, you know, the Jedi shows up and we're like, holy crap, it's so-and-so. And then that's it, you know? Um, you know, there's thought Sebastian Stan could come in as Luke, um, Ezra. I, they, they've still got to 
do the search for Ezra. So that's why I don't think it's Ezra, even though it would make a lot of sense. And because we've already had Bo-Katan and Ahsoka and, you know, had the Thrawn name drop. There's just not a lot of time to bring Ezra in, so I don't know. Um, yeah, Mace Windu, <laughs> did he survive? Um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I speculated last week. I think it's Quinlan Voss because it just makes sense. Like, he would have been around. He survived Order 66, so he could have rescued Grogu from the temple. He could still be around. <clears throat> he was kind of an undercover Jedi anyway, so he could have survived this long. And he's known enough to the fans who follow along that it's not like, you know, a brand new character or somebody who's super obscure. Um, that's my guess, but I imagine we'll find out at the end of, you know, like in two weeks. <clears throat> uh, but that's it for this uh, incredible episode that I loved and little Han loved. But we'll be back next week for chapter 15 where they... Probably have to, you know, spring Mayfeld. Um, we'll see what else happens. I'm sure we're in for more surprises because look at this episode. How about you can follow the show on social media at Radio Dakar on Twitter and Instagram. All the um, prior Radio Dakar episodes are on most major podcast platforms, uh, Anchor, um, Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast. But until next time, thank you for listening. We appreciate you, and may the Force be with you.